0: Welcome to an upside down world.
1: a podcast from Tear Australia with your hosts, Joel McCarroll
0: and Grace Naum.
1: Today on the podcast, we're going to be chatting with uh, Tara Conrad, who is from Perth, which is going to be amazing. And for the first time, I'm actually getting to sit here in the same room as Gracie Naum. Lucky you. It's very exciting. (laughs) We've never actually met in the flesh before, so it's wonderful to get to do so for this podcast.
0: This podcast comes to you from many different places throughout Australia, but Joel and I are based in Melbourne and Cronulla, respectively.
1: So as we begin this whole series, we want to pay our respects to the traditional custodians of the land. For me, I'm on Wurundjeri country of the Kulin Nations, uh, here in where we now, what we now know as Melbourne, uh, but was called Nam for many, many years by the Indigenous people.
0: And I pay my respects to the Elders past and present of the Darawal Nation, which is now known as Cronulla. Joel, tell Mm. us about yourself. Uh,
1: I'm a a poet and a uh, a spoken word artist and a writer and a speaker. And I do lots and lots of different things, kind of touring the world over before COVID hit us, um, sharing my poetry and speaking and running workshops and stuff all over the world in, Mm. in schools and in... Juvie justice centers in indigenous communities and refugee communities. Um, My life is poetry and stories. Mm -hmm. And, And so like getting to do this podcast where we're going to be interviewing lots of different people around their own story and their reflections on life and the Beatitudes and Lent this season we're coming into. I'm super excited. What about you? Who are you, Gracie? Do people because people may not know who you are.
0: No, totally. Um, I am an actor and an acting coach. You may know me as contestant number three from uh, the Smiths chips ad of 2019,
1: <laughs> or the goose ad. You might know her as the goose from what was that ad? <laughs>
0: British Paints.
1: British Paints, the goose. <laughs> just, just look it up, you'll be... Yeah,
0: yeah. So and now you know my face, clearly. <laughs> Not at all. Um, yeah, so I, I love both of those things. I, I find them so life-giving. Um, I'm pretty new to my um, journey with Tear Fund. Mm. I um, did a little bit of work for them in 2014, which actually really um, sparked a love for writing uh which freaked me out and also really excited me mm. um so yeah to be doing this podcast with Tearfund, fund which is an organization that i just really believe in particularly in the way that they listen uh so deeply to communities it's just so exciting and it's so exciting to be doing it with joel who i've yeah. been following and been a fan of oh, so thanks. yeah <laughs> <Shucks>. oh, totally <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's wonderful to get to come and do this together. For those who are listening, we're going to be chatting uh, over the next, what, eight weeks in this lead up to Lent, but obviously Mm. you could be listening to it anytime. So it's not just a Lent podcast, but it's kind of focused around Lent. Um, We're going to be chatting through the Beatitudes, so much different stuff for us to get into.
0: Yeah, and I don't think that I've ever focused, like, throughout my going to church, um, I, like I was kind of born into mm. um, an Anglican church, we didn't we didn't study the Beatitudes. I can't remember really? studying them. Yeah, right. And it's been so life-giving um, to have these conversations.
1: Hasn't it? They've been amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm. So I'm excited for us and I'm excited for you.
1: Yeah, we're going to be chatting through essentially God's love in action in our world and how that brings peace. And hope, which I mean, in our world that feels so divisive right now, which is a word that we often use to talk about the reality of our world, because it's so true, like whether it's left versus right and um, progressive versus conservative and and now vaxxers versus anti-vaxxers, like there's so much stuff that is taking us either way, taking us away from each other. And I I wonder if as we begin this time of Lent, is there something, is this something and is this series, this time, something that could actually bring us toward each other?
0: Mm, Yeah, I think, yeah, so often it's and because society moves so quickly, Mm. uh, we, we gravitate towards black and white. But um, I think Jesus and the Beatitudes, they're calling mm. us to listen deeply to who God is and who he has made us to be and and what is our, um, what are we moving towards in the everyday? Um, and how can we be more intentional um, about living out how Jesus wants us to live?
1: Yeah, they kind of feel like... Um a blueprint or i mean maybe not a blueprint maybe that's too specific maybe a map or a just like a general direction a compass direction for us yes. to head into yeah um to say this is this is the way forward through the murkiness of our world um i think the beatitudes offer us a way forward in the fracturedness of our world, which is kind of really what we want to nut out through this series I think.
0: Absolutely. Dave Andrews says, if the Beatitudes are referred to, they are usually cited as picture postcard spiritual promises <laughs> not as basic practical operating principles hmm. they are actually an original Im- imaginative and brilliantly doable set of realistic ideals that give us a way to engage a world of Poverty and violence
1: Brilliant, I love it I really do think it's exactly what they do Um, And and to put it in kind of frame To get us in uh, More of a holistic frame of where we are Um, Mm. So we're in the the Sermon on the Mount um, And Matthew tells us Jesus walks up the mountain and he begins to teach Um, And and many scholars actually talk about how this movement up the mountain, it it harkens back to that time of Moses um, also moving up the mountain, walking up the mountain and receiving the Ten Commandments and then bringing these Ten Commandments to the people. Mm. Um, And the Ten Commandments were all about bringing order into chaos like Mm. bringing order into this chaotic kind of society and then we have Jesus in the Beatitudes walks up the mountain to give the sermon on the mountain the people come around him just like they did when Moses came down the mountain with the with the two whatever they're called what are they called plaques they're not called plaques tablets Tablets? (laughs) Tablets? who knows we'll call them that we're really good (laughs) biblical scholars in this place Um, Like Jesus walks up almost as symbolic of this new law Mm. Um, And so if the old law I think was about bringing order into into chaos I wonder if these eight Beatitudes are a little bit about they're kind of about sitting in the disorder of our world, like yes. in the chaos of our world, the tensions that don't feel right, the the mess. Like, how do we hold together the disordered reality of our world and not have to control it, but learn actually how to embrace the paradoxes found within it? Because so mm. many of these, so many of the Beatitudes are just so paradoxical. They're so yes. um I mean, we'll hear them. Why don't we actually? How about we share them now?
2: Absolutely. Um,
1: And and maybe what we'll do? We've got an NIV and a message version here. What if we do one each? Um, Just to get us going. And then after this, we're going to get into our first interview with Tara. Um, Let's just just to bring us all back in so we remember what these beatitudes are. Do you want to how about I do the NIV and then you do the message? Should we do that? Sure, Let's do it. Um, And we'll see what happens. Um, This is Matthew 5 verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.
0: You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God in his rule.
1: Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted.
0: You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you.
1: Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth.
0: You're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought.
1: Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled.
0: You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God food and drink in the best meal you'll ever
1: eat. Mm, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy.
0: You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for.
1: Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God.
0: You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right then you can see God in the outside world.
1: Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God.
0: You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you just when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family.
1: And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.
0: You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom.
1: So, friends, that's where we're going with our uh, with our eight week series together. We're super excited. Um, we have interviews with people from all over the world. A whole bunch of mm. uh, Australians, or on people from this land we now call Australia. Uh, And we have people from overseas. Um, It's going to be a really fantastic time. The other thing that we're bringing into this podcast, uh, for some of you, you may have been receiving uh, Tears Lent cards, which has a, a beautiful picture this year of various people throughout the world. Um, And part of what we wanted to do is actually to share some of their stories on this podcast. And the way we're doing it, being that Gracie and I are both uh, writers and poets, we're actually going to be using um, kind of reflecting on these various people's stories through the use of poetry uh, as a way to kind of share with you some of the reality about this beatitude and how it connects into the life of uh, someone who has lived in some really harsh conditions. So if you don't have those Lent cards, make sure you jump on to tierfund.org.au and follow the links through, and you'll be able to sign up uh, for these next eight weeks of getting those cards. Uh, and really being able to intentionally engage with Lent over this time. This first poem we're about to listen to before we get into the interview with Tara uh, is from Grace. uh, And it's a little bit about um, the life of Rotafina, who's the mother of um, Dorka, some of those kids playing with that ball you can see in that first card there uh, of our first week of Lent. So the poem really delves into both her life and into Grace's own life and those Uh, These things that hold us together and one of those things that we reflect on today, this is our first beatitude, is the idea of the poor in spirit. So sit back and enjoy this poetic exploration into the Beatitudes that we'll be doing each week uh, as we come together. This one, uh, all of them, in fact, have music, uh, are backed by music by the outstanding pianist David Andrews from Sydney, who, uh, like our interviewer today, is also a Hillsonger. Uh, We've got a few Hillsong representatives uh, on the podcast. Sit back enjoy this poem and then we'll get into the interview
2: two women sit on a bridge two strangers who never meet the first rotafina sadie mozambique 2017 she set up makeshift housing on borrowed land days folded into months that folded into years Armed men from militant groups walk the rubble of what was her home while she watches her barefooted son kick a soccer ball made of discarded plastic held together by string. An indefinite sentence of displacement stuck in the in between. She waits. As if on a suspended bridge between her past home and a future one. A wilderness of waiting as far as the eye can see. Future dreams suddenly as fluid as water drip through the cracks of the bridge. Her daughter graduating school, her youngest starting, the crops continuing to thrive from one year to the next. Her mind has created a family album of future memories, no longer hers to keep. Stolen by the militant violence. Even the air on the bridge is still, as if the wind has given up on it. She looks back on the busyness of home life, looking after the family, the farm, the field ripe with purpose, belonging, meaning. She was breathless back then, but the beautiful kind... Now suddenly suspended in stillness, a claustrophobic quiet and wriggling questions stored in the deep underground of her inside suddenly start to simmer to the surface. Who am I when my home is taken away? Who am I when my community is uprooted? Who am I? There is an inner speechlessness, a deadening silence, a numbness that slips through limbs. She grips the rails of the bridge. Tell me, how does this end? The other woman on the bridge, gripping fingers as tight as Rotafina. The other woman is me. Over the other side of the world, but still on the bridge of the in-between, it's the year 2021, a COVID-19 lockdown has just been enforced in Sydney, Australia. The pace of life once like a bird in blue skies and full flight, now time drunkenly stumbles up the stairs to each midnight. Is there anything as formidable as perpetual stillness? I accepted God's love into my life years before, but dressed my confidence in busyness, in meeting expectations and people's approval. But those motivations are mostly derelict in the waiting. Months pass, and as I sit and start to dig and get closer to my core, I'm not so scared of finding regret or brokenness. I'm scared that I won't find anything at all. Emptiness, a silent and simple nothing. I've been addicted to doing and trying and controlling whatever I can, but now, living on this bridge, I give in. I sit down on the splintery wooden boards, my legs dangle off the edge, my sense of self suspended. What is being okay? what is beautiful. Who are you, God? Who am I at the core of me? I don't know. God, I don't know. And I don't know how to do today, to do this hour, to do right now. I'm angry with you for withholding what gave me purpose. I'm angry with you for yet another day in the in-between. I'm angry with myself for being angry with you because even in this liminal space, you have given me so much. I'm tired of failing, I'm tired of stuffing up and then not being able to fix it. I'm tired of not letting you fix it, not letting you fix me. Please. Please fix me. Please fix me. Sit with me, God. Hold my restless body wriggling fear and the secret camouflage insecurities that I can't fully see, let alone mend. I am poor in faith, in energy, consistency and reliability. Poor in heart. Poor in hope. I'm hollow in the deep place. I'm poor in spirit both of us, poor in spirit. Me, western girl, her, African woman, poor in spirit. We sit on the bridge of the in-between. My body doesn't speak the language of unconditional love. This non-detachable love from God, it's unreasonable, illogical, uncomfortable. I just don't get it. At least not now. And God knows it. Here on the bridge, in the in-between, he sits beside me. He sits beside her, Rotafina. our legs dangling over the edge side by side. He looks at her, a steady gaze. He looks at me. A steady gaze, he hasn't missed a word, his withness so full, honest, empathetic. And together we sit, not two on the bridge, but three. Together we sit, I feel his breathing a rhythm with no regard for time. And gradually, my lungs are beginning to learn the rhythm. Gradually, our lungs are beginning to learn the rhythm. We are together, on the edge, in the in-between, and though Rotafina and I cannot see the end, in his presence, we begin to see and hold and breathe. Hope.
1: such a beautiful poem thank you so much grace and david for that wonderful reflection we're going to move into our interview now. We're going to start off our interviews with Tara Conrad. Tara is, um, she is a, has a social work background. She's a pastor uh, from Perth. I met Tara many years ago, um, I think maybe even at the Justice Conference, which uh, Tear Australia and a bunch of others have put on um, mm. that many of you may have been to. Um, Tara is a stunning woman who has been for years and years and years. Um, been tirelessly bringing the call to justice uh, into the Pentecostal Church within Australia. She is an inspiration for me and many, many others. Um, So it's wonderful to start off with someone who is a Hillsong pastor uh, on this podcast about social justice. Let's hear from Tara. Tara Hey friends! It is wonderful to get to come and share with you all and have a chat. Um, we're sitting here on opposite sides of Australia. Uh, Grace and I are sitting with Tara. Tara, I don't even know how to say your last name. Conrad? Is it just Conrad?
3: Yep. It's, it's just
1: spelt strangely. It's just got. It's just got extra a few
3: letters. Just to be complicated.
1: Just a few yeah. extra silent letters. So Tara, I've known you for a few years now, just through kind of the um, through the world of the Christian circles and the world and it's wonderful to have you on this very first episode um, of this Mm. Tear Fund podcast um, to chat about life and and all that kind of thing. Grace you don't know Tara at all is that right?
0: No yeah we've only just met. So yeah Tara can you tell us a little about yourself?
3: um yeah, where to start in Perth um, and currently uh, pastor with Hillsong have a background in social work uh, which I don't know, I think maybe led to me getting involved in some different spaces uh, as far as church leadership goes and um, and also yeah, um, just as a side note, picked up some theology studies and quite enjoy that space. So,
1: so you've been pastoring for a while now?
3: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think longer than, um, well, more than half of my life, I've been a pastor. Wow. Uh,
0: yeah. And, uh, and like growing up,
3: is this always where you wanted to land? So I actually didn't grow up uh, even in church at all. So I would have had wow. no concept of, um, of that. When that's, uh, when I was studying in high school, I went into social work and I'd kind of just started hanging out in church, um, in my latter years of high school. Um, they ran a skate park where I could skate for free. Actually, even in my first couple of years in church, I was adamant I would never work in church because right. Christians were a little bit scary. Yeah.
1: Yeah that's understandable <laughs> um did your did your so your passion for because you have done a lot over the years in terms of um, mm. social justice and working with people things with refugees things lots and lots of different stuff um has that all come was that like before the whole christian thing came for you it sounds like you're already engaged in social looking at social work throughout high school or whatever
3: I think a little bit of my like background um pretty sure my parents were like, you know, legitimate seventies hippies. So like, um, (laughs) raised with a little bit of that. Um, (laughs) um, I look back at all the, um, the music that is familiar to me as a child and I'm like, Oh, these lyrics are great. Um, so, um, I think there's a bit of that then studying social work and, um, Mm. kind of accidentally landed in church leadership as well and just finding the the gap between where some of those spaces were working and weren't working was something that yeah. i really yeah got interested in working on
1: yeah um i love that and i love i love that our first cab off the rank so to speak is is a hillsong pastor mm. um because we're we're kind of tier fund australia is is social justice obviously focus we have a lot of people um who I reckon would be thinking, why the heck have they got a Hillsong pastor on to start with? Where's our social justice people? But you are a social justice person and you're a Hillsong person. And for many Christians in Australia, that's a hard thing to bring together. Can you, like, how do you hold those two things together? Can you speak to that? Because I know a lot of, there's a lot of social justice focused people within Hillsong, but it's often not what we think of when we think of Pentecostal Hillsong. We think prosperity doctrine and things like that. Can you tell me about that?
3: Yeah, um, I think to speak to like even just the Pentecostal space generally, um, a lot of people have a perception of the Pentecostal world that comes from um, maybe, you know, a, an era of 10 or 15 years prior to what is actually the space now. Huh. Um, it's also a really kind of fluid space at the moment there is just so much moving um in a lot of that um and um a lot of people I guess don't realize why there is so many people uh like social justice type people in um in Hillsong is because there really is space for that um and uh it's one of the only Pentecostal churches I know of that has a an actual social justice department and has you know there's a lot of stuff that has um, been done behind the scenes and it's done probably more quietly than um, you might expect a mega church to get involved in um, you know community programs but not just um, service provision but really looking at best practice and um, and bringing some really um, yeah really necessary um, uh, expertise and um, and reform to that space so um, it's yeah really exciting to be there actually and a lot of room to grow um Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff that you know um still we're we're working on but um yeah just a lot of space to do that so wow Um,
1: I love that you'd be able to hold that kind of diversity like I was just thinking um I was chatting with a friend of mine who's at Um, Hillsong last year a few I forget when we were chatting and he was saying he he he's quite different to a lot of people he that he feels like he sits next to in Hillsong but he's like actually I go to church because I need to sit next to people I disagree with and that's actually really important to be able to um, be in community with people whether we are um, social justice people or hyper spirit yeah. people like to be able to come together and connect like that it's so important so I love that I love that you feel like that kind of culture is actually upheld as a good thing within there is wonderful
3: so it's it's been great to even um have conversations with people who um who are really uh passionate about the social justice space but maybe have kind of disconnected that from their faith because it's not necessarily been something they've talked about a lot in church and Mm -hmm. helping kind of draw some lines and build some bridges between that is um, one of my favorite things to do. So, Wow. And just how much I feel like you would discover about God's character by
0: taking part in that kind of ministry, if you haven't done it before, like I think it would, it's, it's frightening Um, and and kind of an adventurous way to exploring more about who God is.
3: Yeah, I've always loved going to um, churches that have been different. So when I would travel, um, even before being part of Hillsong, I'd kind of check out churches more like Hillsong. um, And then, or sometimes, you know, find a high church, you know, um, Anglican service on like Easter Saturday or like, I've just sort of, I've loved, um getting to know I guess the breadth and depth of the body of Christ
0: now this is being launched over Lent um and during Lent the Lent period um it's a lead up to Easter and the lead up to the cross we're engaging with the Beatitudes um what do they mean for you during this Lenten period uh
3: (laughs) everything um no so I guess <laughs> like the prophetic picture that uh that it draws like starting at a place of looking at what uh what could be or what is supposed to be or what is um you know what is uh what does the kingdom look like that's I guess how I read it uh because I don't imagine Jesus meaning that that was actually what was going on when he says you know blessed are and makes these statements so he's speaking to another truth and and so when he states that as a fact that is the only other fact I guess I can consider is that is how it should be or that is how you know um that's what reality is supposed to look like and and so I um, yeah, I guess I've leaned into that, you in, know, in terms of going, what, um, what do these things say about where we're supposed to be heading, um, and what we're considering during time of reflection like Glenn,
1: I love that take on it, that it's both, um, it's kind of, we often th- talk in theology world about the now and the not yet, like it's, mm-hmm. it's stating this, this reality that could be should we choose to live out The kingdom now is that kind of the idea
3: yeah and i guess um making a statement about um that kind of ultimate reality that brings and i think that's the nature of the prophetic right it states what is a greater truth than the present reality Mm -hmm. so it's um but in doing so it names what's not so it gives us a place to go.
1: What we really want to focus in on um, today is that first, uh, the first beatitude: um, "Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for they will see the kingdom of heaven." Um, my mind immediately goes to like that. This is this is is this talking about poverty, like materially poor. Um, the the Greek I looked up the Greek word before because that's what you meant to do no I'm just kidding um because it brings I think it brings lots of good stuff to us the greek word for poor that they use here is i can't even say it but it's p t o c h o i which literally means the the empty ones the very empty ones and those who are crouching like those bent over beggars is kind of the idea um those who are like frightened and cowering and bent over and hiding and then also adds this word numa to make it poor, not just poor, but poor in spirit. And I'm my what I'm kind of wrestling with is it is it just materially poor? Is it um, whenever I come to this passage, what I wrestle with is it just materially poor? Is it this spiritual sense of of poverty as well? Or am I just like, do I just bring the spiritual sense of the poverty of poverty in because I'm just trying to justify my own privilege? Um, what, I'm, what I'm kind of does that make sense? Like what I'm wondering from you, Tara, is, How do you read this and how do you hold this in terms of poverty, poverty of spirit? What does it look like to be poor in spirit?
3: Yeah, I I kind of do the same because I I think that um, this passage has been impoverished by its use to Mm. kind of make out like we're not talking about, um, you know, those who are um, physically, you know, lacking. Um, But we know because of the passage in Luke that it definitely is at least that. Mm. Um, what i found interesting was looking at the uh, possibility that it might be reflecting on some of the old testament phrases that are similar like isaiah 62 uh 66 verse 2 where yeah. um it talks about um being um not poor in spirit but um but uh lacking in spirit and it's the same uh like david uses the expression um in the Psalms to express his repentance, um, so um, devoid in spirit he like, but he's re- referring to his brokenness at what's um, what's happened. And and for me, when I see um, like what I would look at as a glimpse of this kind of thing in practice, it's yeah. the people who whatever their um, their experience of of having um their needs met or not it's um a a place or a posture of being able to recognize where they themselves are not living true to what you know what we're called to to live like yeah
1: mm. Mm. like it may it also makes me think of it's um saying that the poor in blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven it also makes me think of the the opposite of that in terms of Um, So who's the, who would be the, the rich in spirit? Like, what does that look like? And are they not blessed? Like is, is being, if, if the poor in spirit is this empty, like Mm. an emptiness to the point of begging kind of thing, um, they're the ones who see the kingdom of God. Is it like, the rich in spirit is a, a fullness of like a, kind of being full of myself, we don't get to see the kingdom of God when we're just full of ourselves and our own. Does that, does that make sense? Does that, do you want to speak to that?
3: Yeah. I, I think even that um, theirs is the kingdom mm. and it's a present mm. tense. It's like they experience the kingdom in that posture of um and I think the opposite is true we distance ourselves from this reality that we're supposed to be living into when we create that kind of um or we carry ourselves with that posture of I can't be wrong about this I you know I don't need to you know well I've always you know um or or even that um you know well I was just um I was just born into the situation I am, why should I feel guilty about, you know, all of that kind of rhetoric, like we actually put distance between ourselves and the ability to encounter the kingdom as it is when we posture ourselves like that, yeah. Wow. Uh, And I think there's a
0: sense also of just being distracted when you don't feel like you need God, you're just distracted by like all the demands and maintaining, like meeting expectations Mm. maintaining your own reputation kind of thing and so you don't stop to to see God Mm. um and and when we see God and really take time which is what is so beautiful about taking time during Lent to really reflect and digest this is the reality of his character next to him you you then see your brokenness, you see the necessity of, of acknowledging your, your helplessness.
3: Yeah. And that, that's what makes, I guess, this a great place to start for Lent is the fact that this is a practice and like, you know, we're not gonna suddenly, because we decide to take on a Lent devotional, become, you know, the epitome of foreign spirit and get it all right. But like, it is Oh, a- I am. <laughs> we could try, um, but we could you know, like it's, it's part of, um, of putting that into practice. It's, mm-hmm. it's making a conscious decision to reflect on what do I need to change in order to be more like that?
1: Yeah. It's a bit of a slam. I'm just like listening to you talk now. It's a bit of a slam to the ego, like it's a, um, it's actually calling us to surrender our absolute and our, no, I've got it right. I've got it together. I yeah. am like, you can go to the opposite of rich, but we might go to something else and say, I am um, content in and of myself, or I know the way that this should be, or like all those ways I'm thinking about that we hold on so tightly to our own um our own strength our own wisdom our own um ability to live this out like yes what i feel like this is calling us is actually to to empty ourselves like mm-hmm. to to be empty and say i don't need to have it together i don't need to have all the right answers like it's a really freeing thing as well of, yeah. of being able to begin again the whole beginner's mind kind of idea um, i'm i'm wondering like for me it's a, it's a whack to the ego in terms of my my threeness as an enneagram 3 person i think you're an enneagram 3 person from what i know as well tara um, like this this verse kind of is going in, into the op- very opposite of who we are um, because so much of Enneagram 3, for those who are listening that don't know Enneagram, don't worry, Enneagram 3 is just kind of the the achiever, someone who is doing, doing, doing and wanting to be seen to be doing, doing, doing. Um, what, is, what does that speak to you as someone who is an achiever as well, who who is driven by that in both good ways and, and bad ways? How does this verse kind of smash into you because it's smashing into me right now yeah
3: I think it's it's really been a key kind of in my journey like and I think something that um that I've realized is sometimes we get caught in the idea that like once we go through this process it's like once and done like I sorted that out right that is um, (laughs) You know, especially I think when you've done the hard work of working through some stuff and you're like, yeah, I, I've invested in this, I've worked mm-hmm. this out. I like, I, I know what I know about this stuff or I, I sit where I sit on this stuff or, or like this is my crowd or this is where I fit or whatever it looks like. And for me, it was a process of, you know, like even processing like my uh, finding faith in the kind of church that I did, and and what was handed to me, and sorting through all of what was um, good in that, and you know what I needed to um, maybe rethink in some of that, and and getting to a place where I felt like um, you know, this is, this is how I want to look at my, um, my walk with God. And this is how I think we should do community. And, and then coming round to this point where, where I actually found community was the last place I thought I was going to find community. And like, it's, um, you know, like that, when you asked, um, when we jumped on, like, oh, you know, did you, uh, see yourself being here like well the last place I would have told you I would see myself was in a big church mm-hmm. like I I was you know kind of leaning towards that like home church type vibe and yeah. um, and creating a space where everyone could like think a certain you know like mm-hmm. it's funny mm-hmm. how like it's been the like most opposite like in actuality that uh that I've encountered God in a way that I don't think I have in a really long time and I've found community and all the things I thought I was going to create one way is something that I've experienced Mm. in a a complete other way and it's just been that um uh, you know place of me going oh I thought I'd worked through this stuff I thought I knew where I needed to go with that and and there was an element of that being quite challenging because, uh, yeah, not sure if that's enti- like a three thing, but it's like, hey, I've made this call and I've invested a lot to get to this place of thinking this. Like, Yeah, yeah.
0: wow, I really admire that. Like it would have been so easy to kind of just even subconsciously just start to step away from um different perspectives different way of doing things but you like you stayed listening and open
3: and yeah i really i really admire that yeah well i don't know if i did that intentionally or if it's just by the grace of god and some really- <laughs> um and um yeah some mostly just some really great wise friends that like yeah
1: it feels uh, okay. it feels like though that it's a beautiful way forward. Like in a world that um, we get on our bandwagon, we get on our, mm-hmm. our high horse, our pulpit, our whatever it is. Whether in whatever kind of sphere we're talking about, whether it's politics, whether it's progressive Christianity versus too conservative Christianity versus this versus that, like all of these things, and and actually no matter where we fall on any spectrum this verse is saying it's okay for you to not have it together in fact you're blessed when you in when you stop saying no I've got it right and everyone else has got it wrong you're blessed you see the kingdom of God when you're like oh I'm so empty like I have no idea I'm so empty and I'm hungry and I'm begging Mm -hmm. and that's a good place to be in um because both whatever sphere whatever spectrum we're on we just we just hold so tightly to it and and this is just such yeah. an of surrender I think.
0: I think lately I was just doing some journaling this morning and it was like um in my personal life hard things are happening. Like it's so easy to think hard things are happening um and but despite that God is good. But then I was like no hard things are happening and God is good, which mm-hmm. the latter invites me to think, no no like to press more into the character of God and um, the, the fact that I, I can't understand um, everything that's happening, but what does this say? Like it invites me further into who is this Jesus? Um, like, I think it, there's an invitation to be, for me to be more open.
3: Yeah. I, I think for me, it has come down to um, humility um, and, recognizing that we are still in need and that um, when I think of of poverty like you know all of the one um, common kind of denominator across all of the words that are translated poverty and uh, like is an idea of need for me it has come down to recognizing my own need and dependence and I think it runs counterintuitive to our current kind of cultural um, independent I am like I can do I don't need anyone else um, or you know but real recognizing that um, that we're part of something that we can't separate ourselves from and so therefore there will always be stuff that's unknown to us stuff that we need to grow in understanding uh, and that's as much part of us as you know working out our own Um, individual desires and you know goals and abilities and we focus on on a lot of those things but I think we um, part of recognizing ourselves is recognizing what we're part of and if I look back even when I walked into uh, like a Christian community for the first time came out of a place of brokenness and um, and you know experiencing various kind of um like separations and um you know places where I feel like I had um disconnected or or had um not had you know um particular family members in my life that should have been there and all of that sort of thing and and so finding community in a church environment wasn't something I I was looking for I was looking Mm. for a free escape you know? Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't anything I did, but if I look back, I see Mm. that in my lack, I encountered the provision of God in a way that it's probably set the trajectory of my life. Like it's what I believe that church is about because it's what I encountered firsthand. Mm. Uh, Wow.
1: What about in your role as like pastoring and stuff? Is there a story from that? Um, I'm sure it's all been blue skies and amazing, but (laughs) I'm just wondering if, if there is a, of a horrendous reality that comes with that, as we know, for many pastors, what what's that looked like for you at times?
3: Yeah, uh, it's. I mean, it has, like, time and time again, like, I, I think that um, you don't ever go into a leadership role imagining that, um, you know, you might <laughs> um, suddenly be rethinking everything that you've... Um, you've ever kind of believed and, um, and, and attempting to lead a community while navigating your own kind of. um, Wow figuring stuff out and all of that sort of thing. Um, as a young leader who probably shouldn't have been thrown in the deep end without like any idea what I was doing in the first place.
1: you? Uh, old are you happening?
3: So, um, so I took on the senior leadership of a church at 27. Wow. Um, yeah. Having been a youth pastor for 10 years and very wow. little experience leading yeah. in, you know, anything other than youth ministry.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, but having experienced some stuff in that, that was, you know, that um, recognition of the kingdom at work and we'd seen some amazing things, um, that was a really challenging season. And it's, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, especially when it involves like relationships that have been years in the making. And then those change because of, you know, um, the way the dynamic changes, the way that, you know, people think or um, and a changing or not changing how they think and um and so it's a I think that um where I had found community in church that is also the place where it can be um the deepest hurt right when that Mm. is um something that is tipped upside down and so can I ask what was it that
1: brought on this time like and you don't you might um
3: yeah I mean I've tried to work this out because Mm -hmm. like I look back and and I could every time I think, oh, that was the thing. And then I find another thing But like, we we went through a whole lot of um, stuff ourselves. Um, I lost, uh, my brother and my husband lost his brother to cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in a few years kind of succession. Um, but you know, having, um, a whole lot of things going on for us personally, but knowing friends who, you know, the, their experience of church hadn't been the same kind of thing and yeah. um, that I had encountered and it hadn't been a good thing for them. And so, you know, wanting to look at what was causing people who had, I, I know had like had had a genuine faith kind of journey, but then walking away from the community that I'd found to be so good in my life and going, well, what am I investing and giving, um, you know, my, um, my life to, if it's not healthy and, um, you know, wow. not being good for people. So there's just like a number of factors going on, I guess, mm. um, as well as just, you know, conversations here, there, and everywhere that I would listen in on and it would sort of change the way I think about something and, you know, putting all of that back okay. together yeah
0: wow that would have been such a confronting, mm-hmm. unsettling season and yeah. and to have to be in a place of uh, to be in a place of leadership mm-hmm. during um wow, that's a yeah. yeah yeah um at the end of your blog that you wrote in january twenty twenty um the the blog called welcome everything is fine you said um a quote from a pastor friend. Uh, it's perhaps this is a terrible way for something wonderful to happen I just wondered like two two years on how does that Mm. um, sentence resonate with you
3: yeah it's it really is something I I can only probably say there's more significance to that for me now because of what I've found this side of um, you know it hasn't always been easy either um, Mm -hmm. you know even just Generally, our church has had its challenges, but you know, personally, there's been um, all sorts of things that have not been easy, but um, but definitely grateful for for seeing what God is doing through the other side of all of that.
1: Yeah. It almost—it's a phrase for me that almost like beautifully articulates this beatitude like perhaps this is a terrible way for something wonderful to happen <laughs> sounds very similar to blessed are the poor in spirit for they uh, will see the kingdom of heaven uh, or for theirs is the kingdom of heaven like yeah. it's the present thing i love like it's 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 everything we need to know, but find hard in those moments of despair and darkness that, um, this could be a really horrific thing Mm. for something wonderful to happen. Um, I, I wonder what I'm wondering as we'll we'll begin to head in towards a finish. Um, as you said, it's, it's a, a present reality, like the kingdom of heaven. Often when we talk about heaven in Christian circles, we're thinking future reality, but, um, the, Theirs is the kingdom is kind of the phrasing of, I think, in actually in the NIV, it's theirs will be, which kind of sounds like a future thing. But, uh, but in King James, it says theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And it is mm-hmm. like that's a better translation. It is present, it is now, it's here. Um, and and the kingdom being, I often think of a kingdom as the kingdom is the king's domain, the domain of the king, the realm of the king, the society of the king. It's a communal thing, like it's a communal reality. Um, and I'm wondering if you can kind of speak into that, that communal reality that in, our, in us trying to live out this upside down kingdom where the, the poor are blessed, <laughs> where the poor in spirit, the empty, the beggars, the hunched over, they're, they're so desperate, they're actually the blessed ones us trying to live that out as a community what is what is that kind of how now do we live with this beatitude what, what does that look like for us
3: yeah well I think a great place to start um actually so funny story when I was um when I was first in church there was this song um and it was like um let the weak say I am strong let the poor yeah. say I am rich uh, like um, probably give away what era I cut um, <laughs> it out in church in, um, but in my amateur, I literally thought it was saying let those who are poor say that me like I'm doing well, like let them look from the outside and say, well we're doing well because oh, wow. like, such a prosperity. Like this will <laughs> also tell you about the culture of church. <laughs> uh, <laughs> kind of found wow. it. Wow.
2: Um,
3: right. So, how backwards is that compared yeah. to what it's actually supposed to be saying? But, um, but I've found the flip side to that is like something that I think we can put into practice is asking: Well, if if Jesus is saying this is what um, you know the true reality is supposed to look like, then I. I go, well, is the situation or the circumstance or the environment I'm creating or is the decision I'm making, is it one where this person, you know, whether it's, you know, the poor as in Luke or the poor in spirit or the humble or, you know, repentant or whether it's the morning or, you know, Mm. whatever, would it be, would they say I am blessed Mm. because of what what we're doing here? would this decision wow, yeah. lead to them saying i am blessed yeah um, is the kind of world i'm creating leading to you know the decisions i'm making are the things that i'm um you know committing my energies to or, or voting for whatever it is yeah does it lead to a place where more of the like people in that situation are going to say i am blessed wow um, that's really cool
1: It's such a, it brings it back to kind of the ethical thing of this is, this calls out our ethics to be one. And I love that phrasing that um, no matter what situation we're in, um, it actually puts it on us as a community to say, how can we be that blessing? We're the ones who are going to um, show the poor in spirit, one, recognizing our own poverty of spirit and two, Mm. being the community where those who um are experiencing poverty and poverty of spirit all in together are blessed like that's a beautiful thing for us to head towards that's huge and very difficult as well
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and and like it demands so much time like you've got to be really listening to to the individual to the people around you to to what they need to to what yeah what will be life-giving what is necessary to to bless them
1: imagine yeah imagine if we all did that as the church what the church would actually become if we listened to the world to where the poverty and the poverty of spirit is in the world and say now we know yeah. where we've got to be like we've got to yes, be listening. yes.
3: Imagine. but even if we listened to each other like mm. if we listened to people who were hurting because of a certain way we were doing things or if we listened to experiencing inequality in our own structures like it's you know it's not even just out there I think it's you know as much close to home and yeah um you know it's like always going to be an imperfect practice but you know I guess the call is to practice it anyway
0: yeah and I mean mashing the two together being poor in spirit and listening I mean that just sounds like a prime combination (laughs) yeah Yeah.
1: it sounds like a pretty good way forward which is probably why Jesus said it as the first thing on the Sermon on the Mount
3: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we're ever really listening unless we go in with that posture right like the potential that i could learn something here like Mm -hmm. otherwise we're just trying we're just answering we're just deflecting yeah Yeah. that's so true
1: what a wonderful challenge maybe to leave us on is how we how we go out from here from listening to this podcast how we go in and out into our lives and instead of holding up our own um this is the way that it is to actually listen with poverty of spirit to the world around us and seek out where there's where there's poverty, poverty in spirit, mm. and connect with those people. Such a beautiful challenge and a really wonderful conversation for our, our first um, episode. Thank you so much for being part of this time. Yeah. This
3: Thanks so awesome. much for having me. It's a privilege to be, be up first. So uh, looking forward to hearing from everyone else. Creator God, your ways are good and your will is perfect thank you that in Jesus you show us the way and you invite us to be part of making the way Lord help us to recognize the things that are not yet as they should be because in your reign all things are as they ought to be help us to desire the day when the poor say I am provided for when the weary find strength and when all things are made new help us to seek you help us daily to make our way there by your grace and all for your glory, Jesus. Amen.
0: Thank you again to Tara. That was so awesome to chat.
1: It was wonderful. eh?
0: And what an amazing, completely unexpected way to start the Beatitudes, to start that blueprint of how to live that, that Jesus gives that idea he's he's so listening to to who we are to to the mess of the world and and to the mess within us individually and he's saying that's okay like you don't have it all together except that you don't have it all together and 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 that is the best way to start um what it means to live and, and and this blueprint of how to live.
1: It's such a beautiful offering for us, I think, to go, oh, actually, I don't need to know it all. I don't yes. have to have it all. Um, but I can step into uh, this Lent season and I can step into my life in general not having the answers and that's the best place to be.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to the very first episode of An Upside Down World with your host grace name go again <laughs> thank you so much for listening to the very first episode of an upside down world with with your host with your host it's just easy it's just easy everyone <laughs> thank you so much for listening to the very first episode of an up <laughs> <laughs>
1: We're stuck on the last line for all day. are we good yeah. I'm good. <laughs> Sound it.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the very first episode of an Upside Down World podcast. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> Thank you. Go again. Thank you so much for listening to the very first episode of an Upside Down World podcast with your hosts, Grace Naum
1: and Joel Macero. Make sure you have a look at the TIER Fund website just to check out all that TIER is doing within the world. Uh, That's tierfund.org.au. And we'll see you next time.